Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to Beyond the Noise, the podcast series from PR Week. I'm Siobhan Holt, news editor at PR Week and your host for today. I'm joined by UK editor John Harrington. Hi John. Hi Siobhan. Our guest today is Andrew Roach, UK and Ireland comms boss at Mondelez International, one of the world's largest stack companies. Mondelez is home to well-known food brands such as Oreo and Toblerone and iconic chocolate company Cadbury, which incidentally marks its 200th anniversary this year. As external affairs lead for the UK and Ireland, he's responsible for comms and advocacy, focusing on managing reputation, sustainability and regulation. Andrew joined Mondelez in 2022. After nine years at Carlsberg, he's previously held comms roles at pub giant Mitchells and Butlers and worked agency side at Red Consultancy in McCann. Thank you for joining us today, Andrew. Sorry for the long introduction there. (laughs) Yeah, no problem. Great to be on. Okay, so on today's episode, given in-house comms chiefs are becoming more senior and more pivotal in the success of big businesses, we wanted to ask you, as an influential comms boss, how your role is changing and what you want to see from your PR agency. So let's kick off then. Could you begin by explaining how your comms role has evolved during your career and has the relationship between brands and agencies changed during that time, do you think? Uh, yeah, I, th- I think to a degree. So I, I look after you know, corporate communications and public affairs in the UK and Ireland for uh, for Mondelez International. I feel quite lucky that I started off agency side. So I, in those kind of formative years, four or five years, you know, at Red and at McCann, which gave me a real grounding in PR and, you know, different clients working with different people and just learning, you know, so much, you know, through that time. And then I was able to take that more, you know, largely my career has been in-house then and some of the companies you've already mentioned. So I think, you know, through that, I've been able to experience all the different facets, you know, investor relations, sustainability, public affairs, you know, all of the above. I think it's fairly consistent, you know, in terms of how I've always worked with agencies. You know, I think ultimately what you're looking for is, you know, really good, you know, smart people, 
some real sector experience and knowledge. So, you know, they need to come with that. And then above all, I think just kind of, you know, real kind of razor sharp execution, you know, in everything they do. I know it's really easy to say that, but, you know, sometimes the, the kind of the fundamentals and the basics are what you really, really need, you know, particularly during busy times. So I'd like to think, you know, I've, through the experience that I've got on both sides of the fence, I'm able to take that into, you know, how I work with agencies and what I'm looking for them to do. Great. No, thank you for that. And is, is it right to put a bit more sort of meat on the bones, really, about what your sort of agency setup is and, and why you have it that way? I know you're not necessarily keen to sort of, you know, pick out individual agencies. And obviously, the company works with, with a huge number. But sort of what have you kind of got the agencies doing across the business? And why is it sort of structured that way, I suppose? Yeah, absolutely. So I've been in the role for about a year and a half. So, you know, the approach is one, you know, I've inherited, but actually I think works really, really well. So from a, we call it CGA, from a corporate and government affairs perspective, I work with two agencies very closely day to day, as does the team. Uh, One of those looks after corporate communications, some, you know, projects along those lines, and then a separate one that looks after public affairs. And that's because our approach is very much across the two areas. You know, we said it at the start, managing reputation and advocacy work, public affairs as well. We're a relatively small team for the UK and Ireland. I would say, you know, four people in total, but we are part of a much larger Northern European team as well. So the approach really does work for us. What we try to do is manage as much as we can in-house. So alongside myself and the team, we try to have really good close relationships with the media and the ones that we've worked with for a long time there, manage those directly ourselves. We also manage our own in-house press office as well from a Mondelez perspective. So the two agencies that we're working with very closely are doing a lot more of the more proactive work, supporting us, whether it's messaging, whether it's projects, whether it's something like Capri 200, which I'm sure we'll, um, we'll come on to. And then similarly, from a public affairs perspective, You can imagine there's a lot going on in terms of policy at the moment in the UK and Ireland, uh, HFSS, uh, etc. So we really work with that agency to make sure that we're we're monitoring, you know, what's happening, making sure that we're engaging in the right debates and the right forums, and making sure that we're as you know proactive as we can, you know, in in the work that we do. So that structure, I think, in trying to own as much as we can in house, but then using the agencies to really support us works works particularly well. I think more broadly than that, we, you know, I think we are fortunate in how we're resourced. Uh, we also have some support for some of our local community work. So one of the schemes that we run is called Health for Life. It's about you know educating people in schools and in the community about healthy eating and how they can look to you know incorporate that within their daily lives. So we do use a local agency for some of that that work there that we do, and we're a, we're a big you know Midlands employer, so it makes sense for us to have that you know specialist support locally as well. And then in terms of brands, you name some of the brands at the start. We do have a large number of brands, very large, you know, programs of activity. And therefore, you know, the brands also have their own agencies that tend to manage a lot of campaigns, brand press office, product launches, you know, day to day as well. So very much our brand team will manage those. But as a corporate and government affairs team, you know, given we have that overarching role of managing reputation, we obviously work with them very, very closely on that and have, and have really close relationships as well. Fantastic. And are you very procurement led then as an organisation? Do you have do you have to procure your marketing and comms quite carefully with all this? Because that's quite a large scope, I would say. 
Yes. I mean, as I say, in the, in the sort of year and a half that I've been in role, you know, I've not run any pitches, but I think it's safe to say, you know, any large organisation like ours would definitely be, you know, fairly procurement led. But I think very much, you know, working in partnership and using their expertise when we when we need it. In my previous role at Carlsberg, you know, I did run a, a large pitch there where we combined um, some of the Carlsberg brand work and our corporate work uh, as well. And we ran quite a large pitch process. And actually, I found procurement to be a really valuable partner. Uh, I know agencies maybe not always uh, the biggest fans, you know, and, and I get that, you know, we, there can be some very detailed paperwork and processes to follow. But actually, I think the important thing is that procurement make sure it's a real you know if you go into a pitch process it's a really level playing field everyone's working to the same information the same timings the same processes the same opportunities to engage with the pitch team and actually I found that they can find some areas that maybe you know even an agency hadn't thought to kind of mention very very small example you know in a previous role we didn't have office space in London but actually we were down there a lot so actually being able to work inside the agency from time to time you know, and then being open to that, you know, maybe not for a formal meeting, but just for, you know, to be there and to some of those kind of water cooler kind of chats worked really well. Now, you know, was the pitch based on that? Of course not. But it was like a, a little added value that that we were able to find. So I think, you know, the short answer is uh, I do think that they you know, procurement plays a really important role in that process. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? You know, the, the amount of sort of demonization of procurement that, that we get from agencies. And I expect some of them have probably got, got a fair point in many ways. But at the same time, you know, there are clearly advantages and uh, people probably recognize that too. So, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's really interesting. Totally. And, and I think, you know, I have pitched at an agency before and I, I've obviously ran pitch processes. So I get it. I'm certainly not suggesting it's a, a walk in the park, but I think it's almost time well spent you know in order to get the most out of the whole process because they are time consuming you're resource intensive you know certainly for agencies as well so I do think there's a really important role that they play yeah definitely going back to you mentioned HFSS regulations that's the high in fat salt or sugar sort of product regulations is obviously a big public affairs lobbying effort around that at the moment and as part of your role you oversee corporate governance affairs and obviously that's that's a big part of it what would you say are the challenges you face with that debate and how does kind of agency support help there? Yeah, I mean, we're well down the road, you know, in terms of England, in terms of HFSS. So a lot of it is already coming to force and, there, you know, there's more to, to follow. And essentially it's looking at how, you know, for, for products that meet the category, it's how they are able to, you know, market promote and, and position themselves so we've been managing that for a number of years and part of the role really is to help prepare the organization so once we know a policy is coming in and that debate's been had and it's been shaped then you know ultimately our role then is to help lead the company through it to make sure that we're able to you know continue to do what we do in line with the policy but at the same time you know we obviously have, uh, work across the UK and Ireland so there are different things happening at different times there are different parts of the policy so a lot of what we're trying to advocate for is you know an alignment so specifically for HFSS slightly different schemes proposed you know in terms of Scotland and in Wales and yet we're obviously a UK and I manufacturer we manufacture and then we work with customers all across those countries so you know part of the work that we will do is trying to seek that alignment to make sure that you know we are able to implement it you know as best we can 
ahead of that, you know, it's always making sure that things are evidence-based, that the data supports it, that it will have the desired intention. So it's a huge part of the work that we do. It's really important, you know, given it can have a, an impact on the business. But ultimately, you know, the common goal is often there. And, you know, we are looking to make sure that we have a variety of products that um, meet the full spectrum from those that, you know, are, you know, healthier well-being choices through to slightly more indulgent products as well. So that's what we're here to do. In terms of how agency, you know, our agency supports us, I mean, these things run, as you'll know, over many, many years. So, you know, we're obviously looking, you know, a lot of plates are spinning, you know, in our world, in, in-house communications and corporate affairs. So actually having an agency that is able to really support us on tracking, you know, the latest developments, the conversations, you know, questions in the house, all of that is really important. And then right through to how we then look to engage, you know, and we will be quite proactive, you know, many people in from a, a political side will come to Bourneville to see, you know, manufacturing in action, to see how we may reformulate, you know, some of our products and the complexity involved in that, you know, reformulating a a chocolate bar is really, really tricky, takes a lot of time, you know, and investment to do that. So we are able to sort of showcase some of that work. So we'll work with our agency, you know, on some of the more proactive engagement opportunities that enable us to have those conversations and to showcase, you know, either some of the complexity or some of the opportunities. Is it harder at the moment with the current political situation as it is, where there potentially could be a new, a different government? I'm just wondering how that then changes your approach when it comes to the comms and lobbying and things. I don't know that it's more more difficult. I guess, you know, organisations are always looking for stability, you know, in terms of approach uh, and in terms of policies. So, you know, it just means that we're having to make sure that, you know, we, we, you know, we have those relationships. We know the people in the key roles. And, you know, we know what may be, you know, coming down the line, you know, in terms of manifestos and agendas and things like that. So it's going to be a busy year. You know, anyone uh, working in comms and corporate affairs will, will tell you that, you know, we are you know anticipating the general election later in the year. So it just means there's more to do uh, on top of the day job. But it's, you know, it's all really valuable work. Absolutely. So I'm going to make you move on to pitching now because I know that some of our listeners are going to be really keen about that. So what advice would you give to agencies pitching for work? <laughs> Oh, if they if they want my advice, I, I can give, I can I can, uh, I can give some some reflections. I think, um, yeah, I mean, I I think um, certainly from my perspective, I of course I read PR Week. I'm I help with judging some of the awards, so I like to kind of keep an interest on you know what's going on, who's doing good work, and things like that. So, you know, I I do get approaches from time to time. Often the timing is out or whatever. So I just think the best piece of advice and probably the obvious one is agencies just doing incredible work and standing out and you know if they can you know winning awards is always a a really good approach uh, I know it's not easy but you know that, that's that's the one thing that um, you know I'm always looking out for and that's why I do sort of invest time in in judging awards and things like that I think other than that, when it comes to actual pitch processes, you know, I mentioned that the role of procurement, you know, can play. I would like to think, you know, a good in-house comms operator who's, you know, maybe leading the pitch process will have a really tight brief. They will make sure that the right people, you know, on the inside of the organization who will make the decision, um, and that can be more than one often, are going to be in the room for all of the sessions. And again, that goes back to that consistency and that aligned approach to make sure everyone is having, you know, the same opportunities to engage. So that's probably what I think, you know, the the brand or the company needs to bring to the table. I think from an agency perspective, then it's very much down to them and their, you know, their kind of interpretation of the brief. 
them using the opportunities that are often built in. And, you know, I guess best practice is there will be time to ask questions, maybe a tissue session or a chemistry session, as well as then the actual pitch meetings themselves. So I think making the best opportunity of those where they're available is really important. That's where I think it's worked best. And then I think it goes back to, you know, the fundamentals on, you know, the kind of the approach to the brief, the work that they present, the team that they bring in. And it's such a cliche, but, you know, having the people that will work on the account from my perspective, you know, is key. Of course, it's great to meet the more, you know, some of the more senior operators that will be in and around, uh, you know, and leading the agency. And that's really important too. But, you know, I do think as a brand or as someone leading the process, you want that opportunity to kind of get to know the team, get to know the work, have those conversations. So I see it as quite collaborative. And I think that might be because I have worked, you know, agency side as well. I, you know, I can't speak for others and and people may run different processes, but seeing it from both sides, I think is really helpful. But yeah, I don't think there's any magic to it, you know, and, and agencies will know it far better than me. But I think those are some of the areas that I would look to leverage where I could. And and when it comes to bringing ideas, are you looking for strategy or more creative ideas when they're pitching? What would you prefer? I mean, I think it is both. I mean, it really does depend on on what the brief is. I think, you know, it has to be the strategy because, Mm -hmm. you know, that is really, that shows the thinking, that shows that knowledge, you know, of an industry or of a company or a brand. So having all of that and sort of outlining why they're proposing the work, what impact they think it will have, and, you know, the direction of travel is really, really important. I think the creativity part, again, that is then essential as well. That's kind of really showing how they'll, you know, utilize that strategy and really land it, you know, from a communications and a PR approach as well. And I think that is often where, you know, agencies can really stand out. You know, I think when they have the both, when they've got that strategic thinking, as well as the creative ideas, And also importantly for me is that execution. I really like the detail, maybe not at a pitch level, but once we're getting into the actual work, I really like knowing the nuts and bolts just so I, you know, have that confidence that if we go down this route and we, you know, we want to deliver this work, kind of know how it's all going to come together. And I know what the asks of me are. I know what the asks of the team are. And I also know how the agency will, you know, will work with us. So again, it goes back to quite a collaborative way is how I like to work personally. But yeah, strategy, creative thinking, execution are, are, are the things that I would be looking to see in a, you know, in a pitch response. Side point, but you must have the best snacks at the pitch meetings. <laughs> I mean, presumably you well, get comments yeah. on this or, you know. I'm certainly not, I'm not short of snacks. I, and I can't even visit my parents now without my dad asking me if I've been to the Cadbury shop um, yeah. before, you know, I've been known to, to turn back on a journey if I don't have a, have some sweets for him. Um, <laughs> but uh, I mean, I have, you know, I have to, as I said earlier, I haven't, I haven't ran a pitch process in my sort of year and a half at, uh, at Mondelez. We have a really established corporate agency. And I think the public affairs agency had been in for maybe a year just before I joined. So I would much rather invest the time in getting the most out of those relationships and that work and and almost taking my time to get to know the business and the brands and and the agencies uh, than running kind of straight into a, into a, any kind of a pitch process but um yeah you know if and when we do i would make sure we have um, a variety of snacks and sweets fantastic (laughs) so the flip side to this i guess is you know what what are things you don't want to see from an agency what are what in your experience have been the the kind of things you've heard you've experienced or you sort of red flags maybe from pitch meetings that have been a real kind of turn off i suppose 
Oh, it's, a, it's a tough question. I, you know, I don't know that I've had any turnoffs, really. I think, in my experience, I think it can be quite obvious when, you know, maybe an idea is being presented that looks like it could have worked for multiple brands Mm -hmm. or you know definitely a watch out would be making sure that any of the work presented is very much in response to the brief you know on on the table and and what's you know what's required so there may be times when there's a great idea and you know an agency is really keen to land it and and they may you know run it by different brands but I think I think I can spot that if I'm honest I think the main one like I mentioned before is you know I wouldn't wheel out, you know, people, you know, just because they're maybe experts, if they're not then truly going to work or deliver the work uh, on the account as well. But of course, there are times when agencies will bring in, you know, expert knowledge and specialist knowledge as well. And that's absolutely fine. But I wouldn't want the whole kind of, you know, pitch response to be based around that. So I do think making sure an agency has the right people that will be working on the account at all levels, really important. And actually being really vocal in the meeting, you know, and not not leading it to one person to kind of present. I think it's great when it's, um, you know, everyone is kind of, you know, playing their role. And actually, I have to say that does tend to happen. It's not, you know, I think it's 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 fairly common for that to happen. But I think, you know, you just get that relationship and that kind of, you know, understand you know how people are how they work um, and I think that's really important sounds like you've had quite a positive experience overall when when you've been talking to other agencies whether that's formal pitches or perhaps more informal chats and would you say you're sort of relatively upbeat about the strength of the agency world as a whole at, at the moment yeah, I think so. I mean, I think to your first point, you know I'd like to think I've always had fairly positive experiences and you know that can be even making sure that, you know, you do pick up the phone and give the opportunity to give feedback as to why maybe an agency wasn't successful and they may not, you know, always like the feedback or accept it, but, you know, that, you know, that's part of the role as someone leading the pitch. So that does kind of create a positive experience overall. You know, I'm no expert, you know, in comparison to, to both of you, but, you know, I do try to engage in various forums. I think there's some great, you know, some great agencies out there. I do like seeing some of the, you know, the up and coming agencies as well and sort of keeping an eye on, on what they're doing. But yeah, lots of reasons to be uh, to be positive, I think, as we, uh, you know, the relatively start of 24. And now a message about the latest podcast from our sister title, Media Week. We interrupt this podcast to deliver an important message for media people from media people. We are the Media Week podcast. Four faces in the weeds of the media world come together to provide you with a digestible summary of industry updates and media bants. Each episode, Jack from Craft, Buki from Wavemaker, Charlie from Show Heroes and me, Harriet from Publicis, chat all things from social, out of home, programmatic and more. Tune in to wherever you get your podcasts to hear what's hot, what's not and our opinions on navigating the industry. And are there any sort of skills that you're looking for when you're taking on an agency? Are there anything you sort of value from your agency workers? I mean, you need a bit of everything, you know, ultimately, you know, I always kind of go back to what I said earlier. It's that kind of, you know, that sort of smart thinking, you know, not not some of the obvious stuff. So people who do know, you know, the brand, the company, the business, the areas of work that we um, that we work in and, and are kind of constantly, you know, kind of educating themselves on that. So they're kind of, you know, coming in and they're up to speed really, really quickly. Fundamentals are always there. You know, it is it is good writing. It's good media contacts. 
is good you know good presentation skills and again those uh, i mentioned it before those are the fundamentals i think that you need whatever you know whatever agency that you are because it's a really you know working in-house and certainly for a company like ours it's really fast-paced there's an awful lot going on so you do need people that are kind of you know able to to kind of you know work at that pace as well so i think i think those are key and of course then you know it depends on the the kind of the work that we're doing so you know on the public affairs side of things again it's just making sure that you know you're working with people that you know are really up to speed on the latest you know because there's a, there's a lot of change uh, going on you know within the government at the moment so you know and we can't always kind of stay on top of all of that. So almost that area is there a slight extension of the team kind of coming to us and letting us know sometimes what's going on uh, as well. So, yeah, I think I think the fundamentals are, have always been there. Um, and those are the things that I'm looking for. And you, you mentioned change there. I was just wondering, you know, we're, we're constantly talking about AI skills at the moment. And I was just wondering whether you have been looking at that as well with your agencies, whether that sort of support is something you've been leaning on. Uh, to a degree i mean it's um yeah it's kind of mind-blowing isn't it really when you look at it we actually one of our agencies did take us through a learning session on ai and and, uh, communications about a month or two ago and i thought i had a decent knowledge of ai and i've you know sat through a couple of different sessions when people are you know talking about how ai can be used and and how you know communicators are using it but no this was a really interesting session are we using it, you know, in our role currently? Probably, I would, I would probably have to be upfront and honest and say no, not necessarily. Maybe our agencies are. I couldn't tell you, but I'm certainly very interested in it. And um, sessions like that, I think agencies coming to us with, yeah, some of the opportunities and challenges with it, and some of what's happening out there is is really important. So that was the type of session that is uh, not your bread and butter, but you know, was certainly good to um, good to have and good to be part of. So on on new business, um, how does an agency get on one of your pitch lists, I suppose? I appreciate you haven't pitched since you've been at Mondelez, but, um, you know, what sort of advice would you give to an agency, particularly if they're a new agency that is not necessarily as well known as as some of the others? Yeah, I mean, it's not easy, I think is probably the first thing to uh, say, because there's there's some great agencies out there of, you know, different sizes and with different, you know, specialist areas. So, you know, I think it's not um, it's not straightforward to answer that question. I think when I I mentioned before, you know, I I do take a a vested interest in PR agencies and what's going on in the comms world, um, given, you know, I've kind of worked on both sides. So I've always taken that with me and always tried to keep an eye on like I said before, who's doing good work. And I think that's a massive head start because when it comes to, whether it's a brand or whether it's the CGA team looking, I'll probably have an indication of some of the agencies I would at least like to have a, you know, an early conversation with. So that's one thing. So, you know, entering awards like the PR Week Awards would be um, one and, and you didn't ask me to um, to say that. <laughs> Thank you, though. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that's, always a, that's always a good a good head start. I think other than that, you know, I, you know, so when I look back at previous pitches that I've led, there are some, you know, good resources out there, you know, in terms of CIPR, PRCA, and there are sort of schemes that you can use that that will help you um, develop, you know, long lists ultimately and kind of, you know, start to see, because there will always be agencies that, you know, maybe you haven't kind of come across. So I think, you know, from an agency perspective, probably engaging at some of that trade association level as well and kind of, you know, making sure that they're out there on the radar is really important to do. And then I think, you know, 
been seen and 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 speaking at you know industry events as well because you know those are you know informal opportunities to you know meet people meet brands for me you know meet to meet um, agency owners and agency uh, staff as well and just get on the radar you know i think you know we are in a relationships business to a degree and i think you know being being visible in some of those external forums is really valuable as well I do get, you know, the odd email, you know, that that will kind of be sharing credentials. And yeah, I do tend to keep them, but it's probably not front of mind when I then start, you know, start a process. Yeah. So that's probably how I, how I do it. And, uh, you know, honestly, it sounds like I'm pitching every week, you know, it's not something that is is particularly common, but um, over the years, I guess I have run a few. Have you ever had an email that did come in that did catch your eye uh, during your career that you thought, actually, that's whether it's a suggestion or... That stood out. Do you know if I say if I say yes, I'll probably just get a lot more emails. <laughs> Fair and, um, <laughs> and no, nothing, nothing stands out to be honest. Probably less so emails. You know, again, going back a number of years when I was at Mitchells and Butlers, you know, I do remember that there was a, an agency owner that you know actually just picked up the phone. I sort of knew them in and around the industry. Again, they had that external visibility. So ro- rather than it just being like an email pitch about about the work that their agency do, probably was just picking up the phone, you know, having a, knowing them to have a conversation with a, at the next kind of industry forum or industry event, and then starting a bit of a conversation there. And then, you know, in time, I think we did actually do some do some trade work with them as well. But again, I just think that's kind of very sensible. That's a sensible approach from them. It's kind of you knowing, you know knowing the the company that I was working for in the industry that we're in and, and just you know kind of bringing that together you know ahead of then getting into a pitch process so I don't know that there's any kind of magic answer if I'm honest I think it, it goes down to a little bit of all of the above yeah I really think the point about being visible and just sort of the the fact that it is a networking industry it really can't be sort of overemphasized really 100% and and actually you know some of the PR forums that I go to you know having a you know having an agency present their work you know maybe in an unrelated space but you know just getting that you know 20 minutes of you know what the brief was what their approach was what the results that were achieved were it's great you know and and it, you just remember that sort of stuff and again there may be maybe an opportunity that comes out of that absolutely so moving on, celebrating 200 years of an iconic brand like Cadbury is going to be a monumental task. It's not one I envy you. Um, so how do you plan to do this and how are your agencies supporting on this? Yes. Yeah, it's a, it's a big, um, it's <laughs> a big anniversary. Yeah, where do, where do, I, where, where, where do I begin? Um, well, it began 200 years ago um, <laughs> in, 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 in 1824 on Ball Street in Birmingham, but I won't go, I won't give you the uh, all the history, but uh, no, it's a, it's a really um, significant milestone for the brand. And, you know, I am local, I am from Birmingham. So yeah, a little bit of uh, pride that I'm able to be a small part of that. So we are celebrating 200 years of the brand in the UK. It is very brand led. So already, you know, you may have hopefully seen some of the work that's mm-hmm. been delivered. So there's a new TVC, which take the shopkeeper advert from many years ago with a little girl who wants to buy her mother a bar of chocolate. And it, but it just kind of transport it across a 200 year time period. So really impactful piece of work that launched in January. And then from a consumer perspective, there's retro um, Cadbury Dairy Milk chocolate bars. My favorites from the early 90s. <laughs> it probably takes me back to my uh, school days. 
that are available, seven, seven different varieties of those that people can go and buy. And then there's a really lovely out of home campaign around celebrating memories of Cadbury. So hopefully you may have seen that from, you know, the grandparents with some chocolate on a, on a plate with a knife and fork through to, you know, people with a you know, 99 flake in, in their ice cream. So very much to date, it's been very consumer focused. So lots of, um, lots of touch points for consumers to kind of, you know, almost be involved in that. And there's more, much more to come later in the year. So obviously the, the, the brand PR agents have been really heavily involved in PRing all of that work and, 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 and creating a lot of that work as well. We're obviously seeing, you know, lots of interest to kind of, you know, get inside the factory, um, mm. although that is fairly constant. Um, <laughs> it doesn't have to be our 200 years. So we obviously have to pick and choose when we're able to, you know, kind of get people in to sort of see the magic of the, uh, of the Cadbury chocolate factory as it were. But I'm sure we'll have more of those to, to come in the year. I think more broadly, I mean, we've got lots planned. It is across the full year that we're looking to mark this. So we have activities and, you know, in terms of uh, investment in the local community, we have quite a lot planned in terms of employee engagement and the agencies are very much leading a lot of that work. So we have nine sites in the UK. Uh, I've obviously mentioned um, Bourneville quite a lot, but we have uh, sites in Herefordshire, in North Wales, and elsewhere in Reading, etc. So we will be looking to take, you know, that kind of Cadbury 200 year anniversary to all of the, the 4,000 people that we employ, you know, across the UK. And that's a huge project and certainly very much led by, you know, our brand and internal comms team, but, but supported by the agencies to deliver that. And they'll be doing great work there. Then more from my side, you know, from a, a corporate and government affairs um, space. I mean, I can't say too much because it's kind of, you know, all, all in the planning, but we will be looking to make sure that we are able to, you know, use the moment to yeah, share more about, you know, about the brand, about Mondelez, about, you know, the th- maybe some of the things that people don't know, you know, the fact that we, you know, we employ 600 scientists, you know, in, in the UK, wow. which I don't think many people would know. Why would they? But, you know, really nice opportunity for us to just sort of, you know, slightly go under the wrapper of, of the bar to sort of show all the different things that are involved in in the brand and in the products and I guess that has helped it to endure for for 200 years so your question how do we even go about doing that I think you know lots of lots of planning lots of people involved multiple agencies involved as well but um, you know who, who wouldn't want to work on it so yeah it's a real real pleasure. Absolutely and so I presume then with that that you've got your the trade agencies involved in that as well as the Birmingham based one so it's all different layers yeah yeah Yeah, it's all it's all different layers so you know locally you know there'll be you know local media that will be particularly keen to you know sort of be in and around Bourneville which Mm. is our kind of you know the historic home of Cadbury so we'll work with them very closely from a trade agency perspective there's there's a lot planned you know for the brand and yeah that retailer engagement is really really important so you know there's lots going on in that space with them as well the brand agencies will have been heavily involved, you know, for yeah, for the past year or so, you know, so the various new products that have either launched or, you know, could be launched, they'll be heavily involved there. And then obviously from a CGA perspective, you know, the, the kind of some of the work that I've just mentioned we'll be looking to do, we'll be working with those agencies as well. So multiple agencies, but I have to say there's, you know, this is not just a, a corporate and government affairs led activity. It's very, very brand led and it's very much, you know, a lot of people working on it. So, yeah, that, and that's the only way that you can deliver, you know, that type of a project. Yeah, I bet. I mean, g- given the sort of nature of M- Mondelez International, obviously international, but obviously very much everywhere across the UK. How important is it for agencies to have a sort of a UK wide sort of uh, reach, whether that's offices in different parts of the country or perhaps freelancers in different parts of the country or, or just knowledge of 
you know, what it's like, the media in different areas. How, how important is that, would you say, given particularly the, the PR industry's agency side, London bias that, that we have? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it plays a role. You know, I've mentioned um, a number of the types of agencies that we work with. They probably are all predominantly London based. And I guess in this day and age, you know, that that can work, you know, either you know, people will travel, or we can have, you know, have teams calls, or et cetera, et cetera. So, but then I, I think it is also good to work with a local agency, you know, on specific briefs. So, you know, being able to work with a local agency on some of the, the projects that we'll be doing as part of Capri 200, again, you know, I think that adds real value. They've just got that local knowledge. They'll know the local media, they'll know the local geography, and they'll know the brand, you know, fairly inside out, you know, it's on their doorstep. So I think it can add real value. But I don't know that geography has to be a barrier. I think, you know, everyone works pretty smartly nowadays. And, you know, historically, you know, a lot of PR agency have been yeah, the headquarters in London. And, you know, I, I can be there in, you know, an hour and 20 minutes. So, you know, not not a problem. You know, I've worked for a regional PR agency, you know, back in the day, you know, and they, they do great work. They've got great clients. So, um, yeah, they can be very proud of the work that they do as well. So I think it depends very much depends on the project as to who, who, who you work with. But, um, yeah, there's definitely a role that they can play. Thank you to Andrew for today. That was a really insightful conversation and I hope you've enjoyed listening to the podcast. Do check out PRWeek.com for all the latest news and all our great events too that are coming up in 2024. I'm also going to quickly promote two fantastic award schemes, 30 Under 30, which is our annual search for the young stars of UKPR, and the PR Week Global Awards, which recognise the best campaigns, agencies, in-house teams and individuals in comms from across the globe. Enter both now. And if you've enjoyed today's episode, then we'd love it if you'd leave a review, please, wherever you access PR Week's Beyond the Noise podcast. This podcast goes live every two weeks, but look out for our shorter news-based podcast, Noise in Brief, which comes out next week. That's all for today. Thank you for listening and see you next time.